Okay, I am still here in Hollywood, California, the great state of California. I know I say this just to annoy you guys because every time I say how much I love California, you tell me that it's California. It's both. It's both wonderful, and that's what makes it so sad that liberals are ruining it right now. But it reminded me, sitting here um, in California, reminded me of a little story that I want to tell you before we get into the meat of the show. So my husband and I moved away from California. We left California right after the 2020 election. In fact, I left the day after the election. I voted, and then the next day I hopped on a plane and left. We moved back to the East Coast, and I flew because I was seven months pregnant, and my husband drove the car across the country. But I uh, stopped in Ohio, which is where my parents live, on the way back to visit them for a couple weeks and, you know, to give my husband a chance to, uh, to road trip across the country with all of our stuff. And in, in Ohio, I remember having a discussion. We'll call it a discussion. It verged on an argument, actually. Um, a discussion with my dad about about the election itself and about whether it had been on the up and up, whether it, whether it was fishy, whether it was fair, whether it was stolen. And this was, remember, this is literally the week after, um, the week after the election happened. We didn't have a lot of data. We didn't have a lot of information, but we all had this feeling. We all had this instinctual kind of, hmm, something happened that wasn't quite right. And the argument that I had with my dad um, was that he was already on board with, nope, this wasn't fair. We need an investigation. We should not certify this election. You know, essentially, was this stolen? I think so. That was his position. And I was a little bit more nuanced about it. In fact, if you want to know my exact opinion on it, I think I still have a YouTube video up. I did a, a YouTube live um, just a week or two after the election in which I explained my feelings at the time, what it was at that moment, just a week or two afterward. But essentially, I'll summarize it right now. I said, I too have that instinct, right? All these shady things happened. All these fishy things happened, whether it was the electioneering that we saw where um, where states were changing laws, but without the consent of the legislature, whether it was drop boxes or mail-in ballots, whether it was signature degradation, all, all of this really shady stuff was happening. And then we saw ballots being counted and then stopped the counting stopped overnight and then restarted and there were supposed to be videos and there were supposed to be poll watchers, but there weren't. And then big boxes of ballots were found, all this shady stuff, right? I felt all of that too. And I thought, of course, we need an investigation. However, I, I, I thought that we shouldn't be calling for the overturning of an election until we had evidence, until we have proof. And the reason for that is for the same reason that I, I, I reject the believe all women trope, because that denies due process of law. It denies due process of law to the person who is being accused, whether it's Kavanaugh, who was accused by, um, by Christine Blasey Ford, and the left told us, well, we have to believe her. We, we believe women, and this accusation in and of itself is enough. We don't need to prove it. We don't need evidence. We don't need to actually take this to a, a, a court of law. We just have to believe her. And that would have been a violation of Kavanaugh's due process if an allegation could just take him down. And I, I think the same thing, or I thought at the time, the same thing applied to the election. Of course, there was a lot of questions. There was a lot of shady, a lot of fishy, a lot of instincts that told us that, huh, something was really, really wrong here. This, this, this stunk to high heaven. Um, but I didn't think that that was enough. I didn't think that that was enough to actually overturn the election. I thought it warranted an investigation and that's all. And so my dad and I 
got into got into a debate about this because he kept using the phrase totality of evidence. When you have this totality of evidence, all of these different shady things, that becomes not a coincidence. And I said, sure, that's fine. It's it's not a coincidence. We do have a totality, but we have to have, we have to be able to put a, a thumbtack in it. We have to be able to say, here is the proof on the table. And that was around the time that, that President Trump and his team were promising to release the Kraken. That was his phrase. Giuliani and Sidney Powell and his, his legal team was promising to show us all this evidence that he claimed showed that Joe Biden had stolen the election and that President Trump was, was the real legitimate winner here. Trump ultimately did not show proof. He ultimately did not release this Kraken. He released Giuliani instead. Giuliani probably ruined any chance the Republicans had at the time of, of proving their case because he got sidetracked by conspiracy theories or, or valid issues like there being voters on the voter roll who were, who were dead, dead voters. And, and he insinuated that everyone who was on a voter roll who shouldn't have been on a voter roll had actually been exploited, that, that there had been fraudulent votes based on every single dead voter on the voter roll, which there was no proof of this. It's a vulnerability, but there was no proof. So all of this being said, fast forward now a year and a half, you and I have talked a lot about the actual concrete put attack in it evidence that has come to light since the week after the election. We've talked about the electioneering that violated state law. We've talked about what happened in Wisconsin. You know, the Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Gableman actually proved that what what people in Wisconsin did, vi- what the Democrats in Wisconsin did, violated state law, how they changed election law to accept more ballots, ballots that would have been, they're not fraudulent, meaning it wasn't someone who was claiming to be someone else casting a ballot in someone else's name, but it was it was invalid ballots, people who were submitting ballots um, too late or with a signature that didn't match or too early or in a drop box that wasn't monitored in ways that would have rendered that ballot invalid. And so you and I have followed along with this and and talked about it for a year and a half now. And it, it turns out, by the way, just to, the, to put a pin or to put a bow tie on my anecdote about my dad, I think my dad and I were both right. I think we were both correct because that fishy feeling, that instinct that we all had, that something was really, really wrong. Something was deeply wrong with the 2020 election. Um, that instinct was correct. And I was also correct when I said we need to be able to put a pin on it. So all of this being said, I watched 2000 Mules last night And that is what I want to talk to you about today. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. I like Be More Organics because it solves a problem a lot of us have. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Sleeping less than six to seven hours per night is linked to reduced white blood cell count. Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important to your body's health. Introducing to you Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything. And today, you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, no THC. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. You just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir it, and enjoy 30 minutes before bedtime. Find out 
why Forbes and the New York Times even are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes like Danica Patrick and Baker Mayfield. If you don't love it, you can get your money back guaranteed. For a limited time, get $20 off when you go to beamorganics.com slash Liz. If you use my promo code at checkout, L-I-Z, that's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz for $20 off at checkout. Okay. So I watched 2000 Mules last night. I stayed up really late, put my daughter to bed, stayed up really late watching it. Um, A lot of people had asked me if I'd watched it and I was a little bit late on the uptake, right? I I watched it just yesterday. And um, people asked what I thought of it, uh, whether the allegations that Dinesh D'Souza, it's his documentary, whether the allegations made by Dinesh D'Souza in this documentary are credible, whether it means that the election was stolen, whether it's uh, warrants and investigation, just all of my thoughts. And so I, I, I want to talk just for a second about the instinct that I mentioned a moment ago. So after, after the 2020 election, we all had this fishy feeling, right? This, this totality of evidence, whether it was, um, questions about fraud and voter rolls that had not been properly curated, meaning curated according to law, the law, which requires them, uh, to remove voters who haven't voted in a long time or who have died or who have moved away. Um, whether it was secretaries of state in different states changing laws without the consent of the legislature, which they are not allowed to do, whether it was uh, the precincts that stopped counting randomly late at night, even though they weren't finished, and then restarted in the middle of the night when the poll watchers had gone home, whether it was the nursing homes, the residents of the nursing homes who weren't mentally capable of casting a ballot, and yet 100% of the residents at the nursing homes did cast a ballot according to public record, whether it was ballots being dropped off late in boxes, whether, you know, all of of these fishy, fishy things and the way that the Democrats and the mainstream media were just like, everything's fine, guys. This is the most beautiful election we've ever seen. Everything, Trump just lost because he's hated. All of this stuff should have given us the reaction that we had. We had the correct reaction here to ask questions, to demand an investigation, and our, our elected officials failed us. Our elected officials, and I'm including right now the Trump administration, because the Trump administration did not handle it the way that they ought to have handled it. They did not handle it in a way that led to concrete answers about what did happen and was it fair. So the Trump administration let us down, but the Trump administration left office just two months later. And then we had the Biden administration, uh, who, of course, is going to tell us, well, of course, the election was fine. The mainstream media had, had no interest whatsoever, no journalistic curiosity about what happened. So Dinesh D'Souza made this documentary. He, com- he, he joined forces with an organization called True the Vote, which is run by Catherine uh, Egelbrecht. And True the Vote is a data-driven organization. They collect election data and they hold both parties to account, actually. Uh, I, I would guess, I don't know Catherine personally, I would guess that she leans right based on what she says. But her organization actually is nonpartisan. Her organization looks at election integrity from both sides of the aisle. And so Dinesh starts his documentary talking about that, how ballot harvesting, ballot harvesting is an illegal practice in most states, but ballot ballot harvesting, just to give a quick definition here, is when you fill out an absentee ballot in your home and then someone else takes it to the polling place or someone else takes it to a drop box. And it's very obvious why this is a bad practice. It's a tremendous vulnerability for fraud because the person who is taking your ballot to the polling place for you or to a drop box, um, there's no accountability there. That that chain of command, if you will, um, is 
is just, it's, it's faulty because someone could tamper with your ballot. Someone could change your ballot. Someone could just refuse to drop it off for you. Um, you don't know. There's just a vulnerability for fraud. So this, this practice is illegal in many states. It's, it's legal in some states like California. And in California, by the way, we, we've, uh, uh, we've talked about this on, on the show before. I've, I've played the video of the Democratic operative in California who rings the doorbell. This, was, this, this video was actually caught on a ring doorbell system. Um, this young woman rings a doorbell and says, hey, I'd like to offer to take your ballot to the poll for you. And, um, but then she says, as long as you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, I'll take your, I'll take your ballot to the poll for you. And it, so it shows, that's another vulnerability, right? That, that Democratic operatives, Democratic organizations um, can try to turn out the Democratic vote by currying ballots on behalf of only voters that are going to vote Democrat and not Republicans. So anyway, vote harvesting is illegal, but even Republican candidates in the past have used vote harvesting illegally in North Carolina. There was an election um, that was actually overturned because the Republican candidate illegally engaged in voter in, in, in vote harvesting. Vote harvesting went around and collected ballots and, and turned them in, absentee ballots, and turned them in. And this was against the law. It was against the law. A judge found that it, it was consequential enough that it impacted the outcome of the election. And so the election was overturned. Um, so true the vote. True the vote analyzes election integrity from a data standpoint and um, has the most interesting, the most interesting theory about what happened in the 2020 election. This is what Dinesh lays out in 2000 Mules. So true the vote bought geo-tracking data. Now, geo-tracking data is in incredibly creepy. In fact, when I was watching this movie last night with my husband, he was like, this makes me want to throw my cell phone off of the balcony. Because geo-tracking is essentially, you take your cell phone, and regardless of whether you have it connected to the internet, regardless of whether you have your GPS open, regardless of permissions you've given, there are apps, a ton of apps in App Store. So basically, you are going to have one of these apps on your phone, whether or not you, you think you do or not, you do. Um, that collect your location at all times. And they not only collect your location, they sell that tracking location to advertising companies so that advertising companies can basically paint a picture of who you are and what you do and what you might want so that they can more accurately advertise their products to you. But anybody can buy this data from the apps that sell it. You don't have to be an advertising company to buy the data. And so True the Vote and Catherine Engelbrecht um, bought this tracking data um, for cell phones around the locations of drop boxes in swing states across the country. And it was something like 10 million or 10 trillion, trillion with a T, data points that they collected to see if they could figure out the patterns of people to see if they could identify if there was any fraud taking place regarding absentee ballots being vote harvested, ballot harvested, and taken to these drop boxes. And so... Um, what they did is they they identified a pattern of life of people um, that would indicate that these people were not on the up and up. So basically, the pattern of life that they were looking for is, did a person visit 10 drop boxes? Now, keep in mind, there'd be no reason for anyone to visit 10 drop boxes. Did you visit 10 drop boxes after having visited five different nonprofit groups? Now, the allegation here is that the nonprofit groups had bundles of ballots, illegal ballots, and that they hired couriers, and this is Dinesh calls them mules, and I'll get into why in just a second. He calls them mules to take these ballots to drop boxes. And they don't do it in these big bins. They don't take like a trunk full of ballots and take it to a drop box. They just take a handful, 
of ballots to each drop box so that they don't raise any flags. And that's why True the Vote, this organization, when they tracked the cell phone data, the geo-tracking tags of these people, they said, okay, well, if you are going to be doing this illegally, this is how it would work. So let's look for indications in the data that this is happening. If you are visiting more than 10 of these drop boxes after having visited these certain nonprofits who are alleged to have been holding all of these illegal ballots and um, they found, they found, well, obviously the name gives it away. They found 2000 uh, people who, whose pattern of life, according to their geo-tracked cell phone identity, did in fact fit this bill that they had gone to a tremendous amount, actually way more than 10 drop boxes. The average was, you know, 24 drop boxes in some locations in one day or 38 drop boxes in one day and um, many more stops than five at these certain nonprofit, um, these nonprofit organizations. So all this being said, one more comment I want to make about geotracking because this was a, this was a thought I had that is not related to election integrity per se. Um, but interesting. So on January 6th, as you remember, the people that were that were protesting, most of them were peaceful. They had come from President Trump's rally outside the White House, and then they had marched peacefully down to the Capitol. A, a fringe minority broke into the Capitol. Some uh, some were accused of breaking the Capitol when police officers actually ushered them in. But a, f- a few did engage in violence. A few did break the law and should be held accountable. However, those who broke the law were arrested by federal authorities within 72 hours. And it's kind of crazy that they were, that the federal authorities were able to not only identify these people, but find them in 72 hours. And it, it, it's correlated to the same geotracking because this geotracking that True the Vote is doing um, regarding these, these mules or these ballot couriers is actually the same process that federal law enforcement uses to track criminals. And it, it, it's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a good way. It's sort of like the 21st century DNA, right? Like your, your footprint, your geotracked footprint actually does identify exactly where you are. So it, it makes it easier for law enforcement to find legitimate criminals. It's also, it's also exploited clearly um, by federal law enforcement to track people before they've committed a crime. And that's the thing that I couldn't help but think when I was watching this video is this has taken true the vote. How long now? We are, we are in spring of 2022. It is May of 2022. The election was in November of 2020. It's taken this long to put this together. And this, this information, they, they've been talking about publicly for just the past couple of months. So it took them over a year, a year and a half, almost two years to put this data together. And yet the federal government was able to arrest these protesters who'd broken the law um, 72 hours after January 6th. So what does that tell you? It tells you that they were being tracked ahead of time. So all the conversations that we've had about January 6th, was the FBI involved? Was this entrapment? Uh, the who is Ray Epps question? Um, how many Fed boys were actually there? Was what was this? Um, was this a protest that just uh, turned violent? A few people turned violent during this protest, or was this something that was a setup? Was this something the FBI and the Feds the the were were involved in to try to paint um, conservatives or people worried about election integrity, concerned about the integrity of their own votes um, as crazy insurrectionists? So. Um, so just like I said, a little tangential, but a little not tangential because January 6th was also related to what we're talking about, which is election integrity and how it, it, it appears. I mean, this is a question that should be asked. If Republicans take back Congress in the fall, if Republicans take back Senate, they should ask this question in hearing. Did the federal government, was the federal government tracking, using geo-tracking to track anybody related to the protests on January 6th before the protests actually happened? 
And if so, why? Write to your congressperson, tweet your member of Congress, tweet your elected representative, um, go to their town halls, ask them, force them to ask this, to ask this question in hearing of um, the FBI and the Department of Justice and the Biden administration when they take back Congress in the fall. So like I said, kind of tangential, kind of not. So what, true the vote, let's get back to that. True the vote bought this data, analyzed it, found 2,000 people had um, qualified, if you will, or met their standard for what would be really shady activity. I am mesmerized at this point in this documentary. I watch a lot of, a lot of stuff. I read a lot of theories. I look at a lot of data. And you know me. I am a skeptic, skeptic. I, I am the most skeptical person maybe that I've ever met. It, it's a high bar to prove to me that something is or something isn't. And I'm not even talking about related to election integrity. I'm talking related to anything. That's, that's actually why, because I'm so skeptical and because I have such a high bar um, to believe something, it's why when I do believe something that I feel that I can be so strong in my principles, so sure in what I say, because if my bar's been met, it's pretty darn high. And so at this point in this documentary, I'm, I mean, it's, it's certainly extremely well done. It's certainly very compelling. I'm hooked. I'm interested in what this conclusion is going to be. So what Dinesh, um, then Dinesh and True the Vote present in this documentary is that near Atlanta, remember how close Georgia was, near Atlanta, they monitored, True the Vote monitored data-wise, they, they created what's called a geofence, meaning they only looked at the, the, the cell phone tracking data in a particular area just around the Dropbox. They weren't analyzing all of Atlanta, just this, this, this virtual fence, if you will, this geofence that they put around the Dropbox. They, they monitored 309 Dropboxes in Atlanta, and they found 242 people in Atlanta went to an average of 24 of these Dropboxes to drop off ballots, which, I mean, what, what could possibly be the, the answer to why someone would do that? Why on earth would someone go to that many? Like, do you have 24 children? Because that's what the left is saying right now. They're like, well, people who have a whole stack of ballots, they're dropping off ballots for their family. That's allowed. Even in states that do not allow ballot harvesting, you're allowed to drop off ballots for an immediate family member. And I'm just like, okay, so 24 drop boxes, even if you're only dropping one ballot in each, do you have 24 children? Do you have, you have 24 brothers and sisters? Do you have 24 people in your immediate family? Uh-uh, I don't think so. That's not even a good try by the left. Um, and so... This, this translates into the question, was there, was there voter fraud that was happening? And watching this, I think to myself, well, this is certainly warranting a federal investigation. It's actually crazy that this has not been investigated, that a state law enforcement agency, that a federal law enforcement agency hasn't seen this evidence and said, oh, wow, whoa, regardless of what I thought before, regardless of what I think of Trump, regardless of how I feel about Biden, th this, is, this is really shady stuff right here. This needs to be investigated. Because remember, if something happened and whoever perpetrated it got away with it, it will happen again. In fact, it most oftentimes or most likely will be perpetuated again in a worse way because the criminal will be emboldened. This is true across any crime, not just in election integrity. So in Arizona, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Philadelphia, um, if, you, if you look at the margin in each of those states, the margin by which Trump lost, the margin by which Biden tallied more votes than Trump on election day, and you control for the amount of votes that should have been illegal by the standards Dinesh is laying out in his documentary, it would have changed the outcome of the election. 
this, the, these 2,000 mules that were allegedly visiting nonprofits to pick up illegal ballots and then dropping them off in small batches at drop boxes across the country. And by the way, when I say drop off these ballots at drop boxes, this is not just geo-tracking data. This is not just the geospatial data that um, that Dinesh is using, that True the Vote is using to make this allegation. They also have video footage. Because remember, they, it's required by law to have video footage all the time of these drop boxes. So in this documentary, it's fascinating to watch the video of these mules walking up to the drop boxes, looking around, knowing that they're doing something wrong, dropping, dropping this stuff off, and then scurrying away at 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. I mean, imagine going, who, I mean, who drops their ballot off at 3 a.m. for one thing? Not very many people. And not very many people Nobody drops a whole bunch of ballots off at 3 a.m. looking around like they're worried someone's going to see them. And, and it, you have to see it for yourself. I do recommend that you watch this um, because it's, it's, it's quite something. And, um, and here's, where, here's where we get to the left's response to this. So the left, of course, is very quick to dismiss this. The left does not want to give any credibility to this documentary. And so the left's response, let's dig into this a little bit. Now, I like cozy earth sheets uh, so much that they're on my bed at my house right now. So let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? If you answered this question, well, not so great, or eh, just okay, or don't ask. Well, you are not alone, my friend. One out of every three Americans report being sleep deprived, and your sheets could be part of the problem. That's why I like cozy earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. And then what happens? You wake up a million times. Well, the solution, cozy earth sheets, they are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which actually makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows cozy earth sheets to breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. Cozy Earth even offers a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out. If you're not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. Right now, you can save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding. 35%, what a deal. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry, this offer ends soon. That's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so the first allegation from the left or the first, um, well, they call it a fact check, which is ironic, but the left says fact check. Let's debunk Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 mules. They say the geo-tracking data is not reliable because geo-tracking data isn't precise. Their allegation is that you could simply be walking by a Dropbox, which are centrally located oftentimes, um, and it would look like you were, it, it could look like you were going to the Dropbox because they say, the geo-tracking data just places you within a meter or two, several meters of the Dropbox. A couple of things. First of all, a meter is three feet. So being within three feet of a Dropbox would be kind of odd if you weren't, um, if you weren't dropping something off. No one, no one walks that close to a Dropbox. But here's the thing. True the Vote anticipated this response from, um, from the left. And so they tested out the credibility or the validity, the accuracy of this geo-tracking data. They... Um, they identified a, a murder case, a cold case, a murder that had not been solved. And they bought, they purchased the geo-tracking data, meaning the, the pings from the location from your cell phone around where this murder was committed at the time that the murder was committed. And they actually identified several, basically the only possibility, several possibilities that uh, who could have been the one who committed this murder. And they gave this data to the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. 
parts of the executive branch of the federal government. Very critical to see, will the FBI accept this data as credible or will they reject it as not very reliable? The FBI not only accepted this data, they arrested two possible suspects in this particular murder of this, this little girl child who had, been, who had been murdered. And the reason that they arrested these suspects was based on the geotracking data. In other words, the federal government under the Biden administration accepted geotracking data, the exact same geotracking data that True the Vote is using to, to, to um, bolster these allegations or to illustrate these allegations, to, to present this evidence that um, ballot harvesting happened in the 2020 election, that illegal ballots were deposited in these drop boxes. The FBI accepted this. And so this, of course, I mean, the left now, now you've got the left just, uh, just completely crazy, completely crazy. So the AP released an article, they published an article, they said, fact focus, let me bring this up, because I want to read this. It's too funny not to read. Fact focus, Ali Swenson at the Associated Press writes, gaping holes in the claim of 2000 ballot mules. And so I think it's worth looking at what the fact checks are. And the reason I actually read this last night because I, I wasn't part of this documentary. I have no reason to want to be on, on this side, on, on the side of the documentary, right? It's not my project. Um, and so I thought, okay, let's listen to some of the crit critiques of it. Let's see, are there any holes in it? The best, the best way to test something for being true is to see if there's any way to punch through it, right? To, to test it. I mean, it's like a scientific hypothesis. The, you, you don't try to prove something correct. You try to disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, then it shows you it might actually be the case. Um, so I read this, this fact check of the Associated Press. They, they identify several different claims Dinesh makes in his movie, and they try to debunk it. So let's read a couple. This is what the AP writes. Claim. This is a claim from the documentary, by the way. At least 2,000 mules were paid to illegally collect ballots and deliver them to drop boxes in key swing states ahead of the 2020 presidential election. The facts, AP says, because they're the arbiter of facts, as you know. True the vote did not prove this, they write. The finding is based on false assumptions about the precision of cell phone tracking data and the reasons that someone might drop off multiple ballots, according to experts. <laughs> experts, according to the experts. Ballot harvesting, AP writes, is a pejorative term for dropping off completed ballots for people besides yourself. The practice is legal in several states, but largely illegal in the states True the Vote focused on, with some exceptions for family, household members, and people with disabilities. True the Vote has said it found more than 2,000 ballot harvesters by purchasing $2 million worth uh, anonymized cell phone geolocation data that ping the pings that track person's location based on app activity in various swing countries around five states. Okay, so they actually give an analysis or a summary here of the whole of the whole film, which I don't want to uh, I don't want to be repetitive here. However, I do want to read. Where is this? This is a really interesting part that I found before. Oh, this is where they write. Okay, True the Vote said um, that it had filtered out people whose pattern of life before the election season included frequenting nonprofit and Dropbox locations, but that strategy wouldn't filter out election workers who spend more time at Dropboxes during the election season, cab drivers whose daily paths don't follow a pattern, or people whose routines recently changed. So that's their first allegation. So let's, let's break this down. Let's break this down. So election workers actually note the time that they, that they go to Dropboxes and they uh, remove the ballots from the Dropbox. And there's video. Remember, there's video proof. This isn't just about the geotracking data. This is also um, corroborated by the fact that the geotracking data um, are mirrored by the videotape of the Dropbox that shows this happening. Election workers, yeah, you can find election workers on, um, you can find election workers 
on video. You can find them removing the ballots from the drop boxes like they're supposed to, but that's the thing. It might not be enough without the other. Just the tracking data might not be enough without the video. Just the video might not be enough without the tracking data. But we have both. We have both. And AP um, is pretending that it's one without the other. Um, cab drivers are not close enough to uh, to drop boxes. They are driving on the roads. So they're not they're not running over a drop box. So they're not going to have their, their geo-tracking data right within a meter, three feet of the drop boxes. Um, in some states, AP writes, in an attempt to bolster its claim, True the Vote also highlighted Dropbox surveillance footage that showed voters depositing multiple ballots into the boxes. However, there's no way to tell whether those voters were the same people as the ones whose cell phones were anonymously tracked. So there actually is a way to tell whether those people were the same way. So e each of these, uh, these, these 10 trillion data points are actually come with an identifying, an, an ID, essentially. It's not, it's not your name necessarily, but they do have an identifying number because this data would be of no use to... Um, would be of no use to advertisers if there wasn't some way to tell who the same person was, right? Because the, the advertiser doesn't want 10 million data points. They want to take 10 million data points and they want to condense it into individual IDs, right? They want to uh, identify which people have which patterns of life and like which products and services so they can advertise. So there actually is a way to identify who the people are. Now, no, that wasn't included in the documentary and we can ask Dinesh why, I'm going to interview Dinesh um, later this week and I'm going to ask him all of the questions that we have. My speculation, I could be wrong, I'm gonna ask him, but my speculation is that they didn't include the names that they likely know of these mules for legal sakes, for, for liability sake. But I, I'm gonna ask him why they didn't include that because that is interesting information. It is information that I would like to know as well. But the way AP portrays it is not accurate. It's not accurate at all. So then AP goes, the claim from Dinesh. In Philadelphia alone, True the Vote identified 1,155 mules who illegally collected and dropped off ballots for money. The facts, AP says, no, it didn't. The group has not offered any evidence of any sort of paid ballot of a paid ballot harvesting scheme in Philadelphia. And True the Vote did not get surveillance footage of drop boxes in Philadelphia. So the group based this claim solely on cell phone location data. Its researcher, Greg Phillips, said in March in testimony to Pennsylvania State Senator. So part of this is true and part of it's not. There is no um, videotape from Philadelphia. Why is that? Because a law has been broken. They were supposed to have videotape and they didn't. They did not. Now, why did they not? Great question. Let's get answers to why they did not. But true or not true the vote. Uh, the Associated Press is doing what they're accusing true the vote is doing. They are making true the Associated Press is making these blanket statements like, no, it didn't happen. You don't know it didn't happen. There's evidence that shows that it's that there's a good possibility, a likelihood, a preponderance of evidence, if you want to use a legal term, that it's more likely that it happened than it didn't. And if you have that question, if you have that, 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 that preponderance of evidence, it's more likely that it happened than it didn't, then you should investigate it. You shouldn't just write it off because the, because the documentary in that specific case didn't provide the evidence that would have led to a conviction in and of itself. But that's what happens every time an arrest is made. It's probable cause. When an arrest is made, the entire court case with all the evidence isn't presented right there. It's just enough to spark the investigation, to elicit the charges. And that's the same with this documentary. So then the AP says, claims some of the mules, true the vote identified in Georgia, were also geolocated at violent Antifa riots in Atlanta in the summer of 2020, showing they were violent, far-left actors. The facts, AP says, Setting aside the fact that the film doesn't prove these individuals were collecting ballots at all, it also can't prove their political affiliations. The anonymized data, 
True the Vote tracked doesn't explain why someone might have been present at a protest demanding justice for black deaths at the hand of black police or at the hands of police officers. So let's just stop right there. The Associated Press, your neutral platform for just straight news. Give me a break. A protest demanding justice for black deaths at the hand of police officers. That's what you call attacking police officers, burning down buildings, setting cities on fire, these, these Antifa Black Lives Matter mobs that took over the street, that looted, that broke windows. This is just a protest demanding justice for black deaths at the hand of police officers. Give me a break, Associated Breath, uh, Press. Give me a break. And then they go on to say, the individuals tracked there could have been violent rioters, but they also could have been peaceful protesters, police or firefighters responding to the protests or business owners in the area. Yeah, because a lot of business owners felt safe being, being out and about. That's likely. That's very likely. Which is, let me just ask you this. Which is more likely to be true? Which is more likely? It's far more likely that it was violent protesters, which means there's reason and cause to investigate. The Associated Press continues, claim alleged ballot harvesters were captured on surveillance video wearing gloves because they didn't want to leave their fingerprints on ballots. By the way, I forgot to mention this before. In the videos, these some of these mules were wearing uh, like surgical gloves, like the blue latex gloves. They put them on, then they touched the ballot box, inserted the ballots, then they took them off, the gloves off and dropped them in the trash can. Um, and this is what the Associated Press claims. This one is so funny. I, I actually did laugh when I read this. They said, the facts. This is pure speculation. It ignores far more likely reasons for glove wearing in the fall and winter of 2020, cold weather or COVID-19. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many times when it's cold outside have you thought to yourself, well now, my hands would feel a lot warmer if I just had a pair of blue surgical gloves. Yeah, that, that rubber is really gonna keep me toasty warm. Associated Press, this is absurd even for you, even for you. Um, and also, I remember what I just said, that what happened is these mules put the gloves on, opened the ballot box, put the ballots in, and then took the gloves off and put them in the trash can. So if it's cold, why would they take the gloves off before they got back to their car? Associated Press is trying so hard here, so hard here. Um, and the other, the other part of this, the accusation that the tracking data is imprecise has actually been debunked by the Supreme Court and hilariously by the New York Times. So several years ago, I want to bring this up because I want to get the quote from Chief Justice John Roberts exactly correctly, or exactly correct here, um, because the experts cited not by name by the Associated Press um, is simply not good enough. So in two that, let's start actually, before we get to the Supreme Court, let's start in the New York Times. In a 2019 article by the New York Times, it was called The Privacy Project. It was actually a series of articles. Um, they, they talked about this geo-tracking data and what a violation of privacy that it was. And um, these New York Times journalists did the same thing that True the Vote did. They actually bought some of this data and they tracked Americans to see exactly how precise it was. And this is what they wrote. This is the introduction by the New York Times. This is very important. Listen to their language very closely. New York Times says, quote, each piece of information in this file, that's the geo-tracking data, represents the precise location of a single smartphone over the period. The precise location of a single smartphone over the period. So in 2019, this was, this was something that was extremely precise. In 2022, this is just the general, the general vicinity. It, it can't be used for accuracy. Oh, the difference 
is that it was politically advantageous for it to be precise, and now it's not politically advantageous for it to be precise, so suddenly it becomes just the general vicinity, not accurate at all. Okay, so that's the New York Times in, in a piece in uh, 2019. They also wrote similar things in 2021. In 2018, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote for the, on behalf of the Supreme Court, it was a majority opinion in uh, the case Carpenter versus the United States. He talked about this geo-tracking data, and this is what he said. He said, when the government, quote, tracks the location of a cell phone, it, quote, achieves near-perfect surveillance as if it had, been atta- it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user. This data achieves near-perfect surveillance as if it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user. The left knows that their so-called fact checks of Dinesh's movie are bogus. So geo-tracking data is extremely accurate. It's extremely precise. Um, the, The blue gloves were not worn because it was cold out. That's so laughable. People, these, these, these people that were dropping off many ballots were not dropping off ballots at 24, 36 different drop boxes just on behalf of their immediate family. They, they were not doing that. Remember the pattern that Dinesh, um, that Dinesh and True the Vote were talking about being so critical. It wasn't just that they went to all these different drop boxes. It's that they went to the drop boxes in addition to going to these nonprofit organizations who are alleged to have held these illegal ballots that needed to be dropped in the drop box. And so my, my, my summary of, the, of this film is as follows. I mean, you can kind of tell what my opinion is. I think I found this very compelling, very interesting. I do have questions. I like Relief Band because it is all natural and you know how much I like natural remedies. There is no worse feeling than being nauseous. Did you know that one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea? It's super common. That is why you have got to check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with all these things, motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers even, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Relief Band stimulates a nerve in your wrist that travels to the part of your brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal that your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. That's why I like Relief Band. The product is 100% drug-free. It's non-drowsy. It provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as you need. So don't let the fear of nausea prevent you from being present for life's important moments. Right now, you can join the over 100,000 Relief Band users with an exclusive offer just for you. If you go to reliefband.com and use my promo code, Liz, you will receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember, it's better to have a Relief Band and not need it than to need it and not have it. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use my promo code Liz for 20% off plus free shipping. I do have questions that were not answered in the film, and here are some of them. Some of my questions are, who are these nonprofits? Because Dinesh did not mention the name or the, uh, the specific location of any of the nonprofits. He didn't, he didn't ever mention the name, and I think we ought to know who they are. Because if we know who they are, then we can answer the next question, which is, who funds them, and what is, what is their goal? Is this highly partisan? Is it, is it tied to... Um, is it tied to actual politicians or radical leftist money? Who are they and who funds them? So I will be asking Dinesh that question when I interview him. But, but we ought to know that. It's not answered in the documentary. And so the documentary paints a, a, a little bit of an incomplete picture of this, of this pattern um, on which the allegation is based. My second question is, how did these nonprofits get the ballots? Did they print them? 
Did they produce them themselves? Like, are they actual fraudulent ballots? Are they simply, are they legitimate ballots that were stolen out of mailboxes, intercepted in the mail, that they were requested by someone who wasn't actually the person claiming to be the person requesting it? Um, uh, what are they? How did, how, how did they get these ballots? I, I want to know how the nonprofits who are alleged to have gotten them got them. And I also want to know who specifically filled them out. Were they filled out by simply stooges? Were they filled out by, um, by basically higher level operatives who had done analysis of voter rolls? I, I want to know the process for determining who was going to be on the fraudulent or the illegal ballots. That was not adequately answered in the documentary as well. Um, my question that I mentioned earlier, who are the mules? Who are these people? And who are they getting paid? How much are they getting paid? Who's paying them? How much do they know? Are they willing to talk? I mean, in a sense, this sounds like a, this question sounds like a project for Project Veritas to find these mules and to interview them undercover. Dinesh did interview one of them in his documentary, um, and it was really interesting to hear her story, but there's 2,000 of them. Let's hear from a few more. And then finally, why isn't this under investigation? This, this is enough data. No, it's not enough that if you presented just this amount in a court of law, that it would lead to a conviction. It's not. And no one's making the allegation that, that it is. It is enough to raise really serious questions about what happened in 2020, whether our election, was it fair? Was it not fair? Was it, was, was it unfair to the point that the actual outcome of the election was changed from what it would have been had it been fair? Did this ballot harvesting scheme alleged by Dinesh D'Souza, did this make a difference in the outcome of the election? Did it make a difference in the outcome of these individual precincts in these individual states at the federal level? Why are local law enforcement not looking into this? Why is state law enforcement not looking into this? Why is federal law enforcement not looking into this? Where's the mainstream media asking these questions? Because here's the thing. If there's a vulnerability for voter fraud, especially on a scale, the way, the scale this large, this could theoretically happen under any, a president of any party. Just like in North Carolina several years ago, a congressional race was overturned because a Republican had engaged in illegal ballot harvesting, impacting the outcome of that election, and it was overturned by a court. It's not just Democrats. It's more often Democrats than Republicans, at least according to the data that we have. But it could be Republicans. And so Democratic voters everywhere, you might hate Trump. That's fine. You might like Biden. That's, well, nonsensical and illogical, but still fine. You have a right to make your own stupid decisions, as my grandfather likes to say. But you have a right to do that. But think about this. How, how do you have any confidence that your vote hasn't been diluted? that your vote hasn't been stolen, or that in the future, a Republican organization wouldn't stage something illegal and affect the outcome of the election in a way that you don't like. Just because you liked the outcome of the election, how can you have confidence in our, in our elections being free and fair, that our votes actually mean something if there's this kind of vulnerability? You too, even if you're a Democrat, even if you're a leftist, you should want investigations into this, because if it's not true, it'll be easy to disprove. But if it is true, then this is an actual threat to our democracy. And isn't that what Democrat politicians are always telling us they care about? They care about our democracy. They care about threats to our democracy. They care about national security. If you do, this deserves an election. Write to your congressman. Call your elected representative. Make your voice heard to your senator, to your state secretary of state. Do not let this go. Demand an investigation. Because it, it, as I said earlier, if this happened, 
and they got away with it. And there's no accountability or investigation that it will happen again. And it will happen again worse because the criminals who perpetuated this, who perpetrated this, will be emboldened. And so looking ahead, even to the 2022 midterm elections, if we don't investigate this, how do we know that those aren't going to be rigged? How do we know the 2024 won't be rigged? How are we ever going to be able to take back our country via the proper recourse, voting, if the process has been corrupted, the voting process has been corrupted? Like I said, we all felt something fishy after the 2020 election. We felt that electioneering, the Mark Elias electioneering that had happened to change laws in ways that they weren't allowed to be changed, that allowed an influx of Democrat votes, early votes, late votes, signature degradation, signature verification degradation, all of these different things, drop boxes, universal mail-in ballots. That was electioneering. We know that happened. In Wisconsin, we have a Supreme Court, a former Supreme Court justice who ran the analysis, who said, yes, this violated state law, and it violated it in a way that allowed ballots to be submitted that should have been invalid. It changed the overall tally of the election, which impacted the outcome of who won in that state in 2020. Don't you want to know? Don't you love our country enough to demand this investigation? We have to. We have to. I know it's not popular to say this. A lot of conservatives don't want to talk about it. They just say, oh, it's time to move on. Just put it to rest. Maybe it was fishy, but what can we do now? We can't let it go. We can't put it to rest. Because if we do, it's going to happen again. If you haven't already watched 2000 Meals, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.